I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. And today we are with Cassie Guy Hamilton by way of New York City, but she is a Worcester native. Cassie, can you just introduce yourself and run us through your kind of quick career trajectory? Yes. Hi, I'm Katsy Guy Hamilton. I am a New York City resident. Uh, I am from Worcester, Massachusetts, and I started off as a pastry chef. I swung over and became a certified health coach, decided to write a book in between, and now I kind of surf the world of delicious luxury treats, writing about joy and the balance that one can have with that. Um, And what else do I do? I do a lot of creative work in the food and beverage world. Uh, Molly was raving about your book because I had it like out in my kitchen or whatever. And she's like, this is so cool. Oh, I'm glad. I don't have even, I should have one in the background here. Um, Yeah. No. Did you know that I was a Worcester person when you saw it? Well, I knew because there was something like Sarah had talked to you at another point. I think I was like working and I couldn't get to something. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm very for, and I think it's very rare right now, like the idea that like you can eat clean and like feel good about yourself, but also like enjoy things, right? It's the only way to live. <laughs> right? It is. Yeah. How did you decide, I guess, to go from pastry to health coaching? You know, right? it's funny. I am a bit of a perfectionist, but the reality behind this is to inspire people to find some sort of blender balance. And while I'm not perfect and I would never claim to be, my role is to inspire people to live fuller, healthier lives that are full of joy. And so Yes, it's do as I do, not as I say, do as I say, and as I do. It's kind of that like blend of reality because if you live in a dogmatic approach to food that is incredibly restrictive, you're often missing joy, which I think people are really on the hunt for in the last year, almost year um, of feeling a little bit out of sorts. But if you live in a state of joy, you don't really get anything done, right? Like if you're just in a state of, you know, autopilot, everything is pleasure. You can't just live leisure, right? You've got to have both. And so when you feel good about yourself, you show up better, you are better and you enjoy delicious things in a more meaningful way. Um, And so it's just about inspiring people to have that mindset when they're thinking about what they want to eat, what they want to cook at home, what they're putting in their body, how they want to feel. And then at the end of the day, I mean, if you're going to have cake and pie and ice cream, make it delicious. Oh, for sure. Go all out. We've been talking a lot about body positivity and the normalization of the fact that bodies are different. And I always struggle with the language. Molly's good. She's like, just say it. Say some people have fat bodies and that's awesome. And those are the bodies they live in. Right. True. Like Lisa would be mad if you were like, she's chubby or she's like, she'd be like, I'm fat. You know, you look to people like that for guidance. We're just like, and it's fine. It's yeah. body neutrality almost in a way, right? Not even necessarily positivity. It's just like you're, a body is a body. 
and you live the in body it. Is the body and it's got an optimum state. And then it also has like a, you can engineer yourself to look a certain way, right? My like old employee at Equinox is a bodybuilder, right? So what she does is to defy her genetics. And then there's also being out of balance, right? But a body out of balance could look visually similar to a body in balance, because we all have different makeups. So, you know, I'm really tall. I'm fairly lean. Um, I exercise every day. And if I ate the same seven things that you ate every day or seven meals or whatever it is, we would still look completely different. We just would. And, and so you've got to find what your optimum state is, both for your health and like how you feel. And if you really don't care, that's also good. You know, like it's, you know, there's a lot of judgment and, and projecting onto others about what they do, what they eat, what they look like. Whereas it's much more important to think about, all right, you're the only one that can be honest with yourself about how you feel about yourself and how you're functioning. And aesthetically, like that's, again, it's an inside job. The call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great point about projecting, right? Where a lot of times people say like, oh, look at her. She looks so unhealthy. Whereas like, it could just be like that. That's what their body is like, right? Sarah and I were talking a little bit about last week that you mentioned you worked at Equinox. It's like, what was your role there? Like, how did you end up? When I think of Equinox, we both were kind of saying like, we sort of think of like, like, the, like sex in the city, ish there's a certain like class of people or you know type of person who is going who's like going to equinox right it's Has a luxury brand mid-2000s elite yes <laughs> you know what I mean? it absolutely like, we're like ooh, equinox when i was in my 20s and i was like oh someday i'll be able to afford an equinox membership you know i was a member for years before i worked for them and it was the first thing that got me to actually go to the gym because the environment was so clean and it was so nice. And, you know, that was in the surge of boutique classes where I was like going to boutique classes all the time. And it forced me to kind of look at my own routine and build one, which was step one. Two, I would actually go because it was clean and it was nice. And I need that as a motivator. Um, Already at the time I needed it as a motivator, but why I worked there is because it was a luxury lifestyle company, right? I hate to, I am this person where I'm like totally creative. I'm spiritual. I'm like a feelings. I love dessert. But when I look at things too, it, it they fit into the world and like our consumer side in different buckets. So Equinox is a luxury lifestyle aspirational company that that is what they offer and you can work out there. And so I wanted to have the experience of supporting being a part of that type of company and that mission. And I think what I got out of it was a whole lot of that and more. I had been working in sweets, desserts, pastries, and I had this interest in food and beverage and luxury that I wanted to learn, explore, challenge myself. And then at the same time, I did all of that. But I also, my network of 
people exploded when I was there because there were so many female founders that I was interacting with, so many new food brands, so many lifestyle people, so many people that were interested in health and wellness, but also were like, wait, how do we have this conversation about performance and living versus bodybuilding or then the other side wellness, right? Which is just as dangerous as luxury lifestyle performance. And so I just got a lot out of it. Um, and I left to continue to pursue creative pursuits, which is books. Now I've started my own company. Um, I do a lot of consulting. And so I have not since Equinox been an employee of anything. I've been flying solo since then. I miss, I miss it at times. Um, but I've also recognized that I might've like miss it at times but we're all, and especially again, in the last year, I have to reference because of what I do for a living. If you are in food and beverage in any capacity, the way your company was two years ago is not in any way the way it is today. So I think it's better that I've been kind of flying on my own. So can you tell us about Casada and how you conceived of the idea and then also how it's going? Oh, yes. Um, well, I was one of the f- crazy few that wanted to start a company in a pandemic. And so I wanted to start a bakery when I came back from Italy. I moved to Italy for 90 days, which is the amount of time that you're allowed to. Hi, puppy. You're cute. Um, and so I had come back from Italy and I was like, I really want to open a bakery. I think that locking up the sweet side of clean enough and in general, that talent into a book only is a disservice to people, right? Like I can inspire you to make the salads, but the percentage of people that make the savory side versus the sweet side is far greater on savory because desserts are scary to make and sharing them is one of my gifts, right? So I wanted to open a bakery and then it was probably the worst thing in the world to sign a lease. And I was talking with an old colleague from Max Brenner, the chocolate company I worked for, where we traveled the world together understanding how to open chocolate experiences and build retail products in far corners of the world. And it sounds dramatic, but it it was. Um, And so she and I came together because Casada really couldn't be something that was brick and mortar. It didn't make sense. You know, I didn't have a historical brand presence, Ella and Ed Heiders. We wanted to both capitalize and offer something that was incredibly premium and handmade um, that was at your doorstep as it was dropped off to you, even though it was just the, the one or two items. So Casada was born out of a need to allow people to have a gifting experience that was super unique and handmade, but ultra premium at the same time a way for us to, for me and us to have a bakery in a smart way and to start building this. I swore to myself, I wasn't going to miss another holiday season with wanting to bake. So that's where it was born. And we did really well um, our first season. And now I'm in learning mode because every holiday is completely different. We're still focused on gifting because the act of giving a gift is very different than just on-demand buying cookies. And we are still doing, again, very high-end premium and packaged um, 
confections. So that Valentine's satchel, which is this beautiful cotton muslin pouch, and it has this gorgeous satin ribbon and handwritten note, which I'm writing all of them, our pasta shini, which comes in a bronze bag, and then our whipped honey truffles. They're all beautifully packaged, shipped to your door. And so that goes out next week. And then from there, what it means in the future, it's going to continue to evolve because I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I'm going to learn every single time, every day that I do something about what people want, when they're going to buy it, what makes sense, what holidays to capitalize on. And so I am continuing to just go after it. And we're selling clean enough because the the origin story of Casata is joy, which is clean enough. So it's like a, I've just been building and working. <laughs> well, even the packaging, everything about it does, it screams luxury, you know, but I'm interested in the difference between say your Christmas items and your Valentine's items. Like how do you catch the vibe? I'm actually looking at some of like last, the 2019 actually, which is, these look so good. <laughs> Yeah, so the um, the holiday 2020 was a red drawer gift case that had five items in it and then a red tin that had three items in it for Valentine's Day because, again, it is a different holiday. You do do Valentine's for people that are friends, colleagues. We have people that are sending it from, like, ends of, end of, like, a business transaction, so they're sending it to, you know, their clients. But you're also, like, it's one-on-one gifting, so it's a little smaller. So we have a cotton satchel, which is a larger version of our caramel satchel that was in our holiday. It is a mauve. So mauve is like a dusty pink satin ribbon. And inside is our pasta which is a lemon pillow cookie. It is gluten-free, not in a gluten-free facility, but it just, the recipe happens to be gluten-free. Think an almond fluffy light pillow cookie with Meyer lemon, which is a very perfumey uh, lemon zest. And then this one, we have rose petals. So I have rose petals actually near me um, from R&D. I do not produce in my house, but I (laughs) do some R&D testing here. So uh, anyways, uh, the rose petals are on the outside and it gives it this incredible aroma. And then of course, a little bit of a romantic disposition. Our Honey truffles are used are made using honey from Billerica Mass. Um, I'm obsessed with this orange blossom honey from Crystals in Billerica, and then it's goat's milk, which is you know not for a health benefit, but it's got a more caramely flavor. Milk and dark chocolate from California from Guitard, so an American chocolate company, coated in another type of dark chocolate from them, and then this Coco Rouge, which is very fudgy. So those two products have been tweaked for Valentine's and they have a mauve pinky label. I didn't want to do too brand new because there's something about one, our products right now, and two, you cannot get them anywhere. So we did one season, we'll hold back. We're doing these two products, but I, I promise you, you cannot get these two products anywhere, which is part of Casada's charm. Right. It's like you have that signature. There's like something that's kind of maybe always going to be there, right. That you can sort of expect. I'm looking at the gift case, Sarah, you mentioned the packaging and it reminds me, it's like luxury gift case. It says, right. And it Mm -hmm. reminds me of the Elizabeth Arden red door, like fragrance set. And I love that. It's so like in my head, I was like, Oh, you know, this is very of right now where it's not just the luxury level, but just like it almost looking like 
like like beauty products. The first it's, thing I did right. after I tried some of the almonds was yeah. take a picture of it. I was like, oh, this will look yes. so cute in front Beautiful. of a fireplace or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it, it really is striking. My mom reminded me. So her really good friend, uh, Lou and Stu Weisberger, that also live in Worcester, they were joking. They're like, remember when you made that your mom that Mother's Day gift? And I was like, what? And so they're like, yeah, you made her a jewelry box. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was in going through a USB the other day and this article that I had written 20 years ago popped up and sorry, I'm just giving away my age. And I had a little photo of it and I had made my mom a jewelry box full of confections. So clearly this has been like in my brain for a long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had this little article that I was like, I bought the jewelry case at this store called Z Gallery. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's like a, probably some sort of crate and barrel ask whatever store and you should fill it with jewels of confections. I mean, it is funny to realize that yes, creativity comes from like new moments, but I think it really comes inherently from like whatever you have in your core, because 15 years later, I'm like, I'm basically doing that on an adult scale. So it's funny because I started doing embroidery. That was like my, the thing that I picked up during COVID. Yeah. I used to cut up like old, I would cut up like jeans that didn't fit me anymore. And I would hand sew like bags out of them. And then I would like sew a butterfly onto it and give it to my mom. And I think like, and Sarah, you've talked about too, like finding like pieces of like things that you'd written. Yeah. I used to make my own newspapers, the Sarah sun. You're so right. I think things come full circle like that. And you're like, Oh, it was there, you know? Yeah. Look like there's like a juvenile side of it, but at the same time, I actually find I don't know if you've noticed this, Sarah, when you've read old articles that you've written, that your voice is still your voice, even if you become like way more educated and like worldly, whatever it is, you're, I find it my, at least maybe it's just me. My voice is still my voice from when I would write a ditty about Jim Wooloo and he's in my neighborhood growing up. He, he was director of the art museum. If I find things that I've like written to him and I'm like, it still sounds like me and I'm in my thirties. I always tell kids that's the best compliment I can give you about your writing is that your writer's voice is so strong. I could look at your writing without the name and just hear your voice in my head. But that's the sign of a great writer. I think Well, that's amazing. No, you mentioned your roots. How did Ed Heiders help to shape your path? Oh, you know, I'm so obsessed with them. Um, so I worked at George's Fruit and Produce before it, um, next to the old Technic bookseller when I was really, really, really young. This was pre-Ed Heiders. And I used to, I didn't even like cheese at the time. And I would like sell cheese and I don't know what I would do there, but that's where I actually started forcing people to eat my desserts in the back next to the meat slicer. I'd be like, you've got to eat this pie. And I became pretty interested in sweets or food at that time. And I wanted to work at Ed Heider's. And that was when it was like old school Ed Heider's where people would congregate in the back around Ed and the big chopping block. And I would just be filling bags of spices. 
I made all of the Jelly Belly labels. I don't know if they're still there. I hope that they're still there. I used to like do random things, sell cheese all the time and haul bags of spices. Um, And I learned so much about it. And it was inspirational because Worcester is a total melting pot for cuisine. Um, And I hope that people that live there some way recognize and appreciate that that you're able to get amazing Syrian, Lebanese, Greek, Vietnamese, like you name Puerto Rican food. Like you just, you can't get that. It's pretty, pretty uncommon. Um, And Ed has always had this kind of place. And this was when Greg was a lot younger um, as well, because we're in a similar age bracket. To have somebody say they're going to carry something on or up-level it versus them actually doing it, there's a huge difference between that. And the fact that Greg and Miriam have taken Ed Hyders and really made it into a, even just optically more sustainable business and something that's really important for Worcester and it's functional and it's carrying the best products. I live in New York City. Like I know when there's stuff everywhere and they have it. They're just, their wine list is better. They are incredible people and I've known them for so long. So to see them take something and actually do it, actually make something that is going to stand the test of time in Worcester and be part of Worcester is incredible. One, two, they're supportive of me. Three, they've known me since I've been like making cookies, hanging out in the back. They are why I know how to butcher lamb. They're why I know what Syrian pepper is. They, they're why I know a lot of things. And they're the kind of people when I like write about it, I get teary because they really are like part of my heartstrings. And so it's like natural that I would want to do something for clean enough there, um, my book. And then also just in general, I don't see a lot of people when I go home and I always stop by because that's, that's, when, I, when somebody means something to me and what people are doing means something to me, it's because they have the utmost integrity. And I just freaking love them. And the fact that they've made it through this last year, God bless them. <laughs> now, Molly, you've had a lot of thoughts about small business owners lately. Mm. I don't yeah. want to uh, wake the sleeping dragon or whatever, but I know that we have great admiration for hiders in that they just work so hard and never complain, Miriam and Greg. Molly, in terms of what you're seeing in small business owners expressing their distaste with the support of the community right now, mm-hmm. what is it that you love about hiders yeah. so much? I guess is what I'm asking you. I think it's a good question. And I think it doesn't even come down to necessarily like complaining, right? I thought of, I've actually been thinking about this kind of broadly where to me, it's, it's less the, the thought that like, of course it's, it's such hard work to like run a small business. Right. And there's no way that like that can be disputed, especially if you are the person who is like the owner or the founder or the person who's running it. But some of what I see, which is not the case with Miriam and Greg, for instance, is that they don't express or even probably feel that their like lives and their work are inherently like more meaningful than other people's, including the people that work for them. They feel that it is like a communal experience for all of them to be working together on that, right? And they seem to value not only their customer base, which they obviously do, but also the people who work to make their business run. Like Katsy, you worked 
you worked there, like you worked with them, yeah. right? And like to have that experience and to come away from it and feel like very truly valued, I think is huge. The you, tone style of things. your employees starts from the top. It yeah. doesn't matter if you are Apple or you are Ed Heiders. Yeah. And, or Equinox, right? The tone and style of your employees, mm-hmm. bad apples and good apples starts from the top. Absolutely. The reality is, is that for every person, whether you have a yacht or a canoe right now, <laughs> it is hard. It yes, is. Absolutely. It's, a, it's a weird experience. Small business owner or employee. It yep. doesn't like it's, it, this has been challenging in some capacity to whatever your status quo was before. The two is the sense of values, the value set that an Ed Heiders has Greg and Miriam have is directly reflected in their employees and your experience going into that store. And I am not saying that other small business owners don't have great values and character, but your values and character are reflected in your employees. When I'm really stressed and I've got somebody helping me pipe 6,000 of those almond cookies, right? And I'm dying inside and they're seeing me be really vulnerable, if I can be a human and be grateful and appreciate them, make sure they get an Uber home because it's my sword that they're falling on with me to support my dream and hopefully help support the evolution of their dreams in the meantime, right? There's a huge difference between that and you just being an angry, overworked small business owner. And so don't, don't, don't say these things in public, like almost like internalize it a little bit because Greg and Miriam probably have weird thoughts about things. Sorry, Greg and Miriam, if you don't have weird thoughts, but like you probably do, you just vocalize them. And everyone has a bad day. So that was kind of my thought when we were talking, Molly and I, about model business owners, they immediately came to mind and we were like, wow, those are two people making the city run, giving us a strong local culture. And obviously they've spawned a lot of talent too. (laughs) Right. And I think, I think that one thing that they, that Greg and Miriam have also is that they instill in their employees value in working there. They are like, we want you to care about this as much as we do as opposed to looking at their employees and saying, well, you're not in charge of this, so you can't possibly care. It's a buy-in. That's it. (laughs) Even if you're a big chain, a lot of employees care about, even like the fast casual world, there's employee culture in plenty of fast casual chains. And that also, again, is a trickle-down effect. There's a place in Mystic, Stonington, Connecticut called 85th Day Restaurant Group. They have a bakery, um, a burger house, oyster club restaurant and a butcher shop, they have the same employee buy-in that Ed Heiders has. Like I love them because they have a community. Absolutely. So it exists in other places, but I mean, the only thing that you can do about people that are speaking down to their employees, don't fight them on it. That's their own battle that they're creating for themselves. I think that's a really um, good advice. And you vote with your dollar. You know what I mean? Like I'll spend my money where I think people are being treated well. Yeah. Cause that does bother me. Like the assumption that people, the assumption that your employees don't care, you know, like, I don't think that even like, I think of some like people like Sherry and Alec, like they, I don't think that they would assume 
that you're happy about a day off or whatever. I don't know. Not even that. It's not even that. Just like that you don't care about that business. But I think Molly, you are my Food Network connoisseur. So I don't oh. know. do you have specific okay, so Top Chef questions? It was Top Chef. Top Chef dessert. is a Bravo, first of all. <laughs> But that's sorry, okay. sorry. I like, I forget that I've done this. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like, look, um, I look at the old videos. I'm like, oh my God, I look so young. What happened? Yeah. So the season that you were on was, was the Just Desserts, right? I guess, I guess, honestly, I'm such a nerd though, that my main questions about that type of stuff have to do with like the production. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. People want to know if it was like, real. Well, not even just who's real, not even like that element of it, but the literal, like, like in one day, like like, what happens over a day of filming? Like, well, where where do we start? Where do we end? So each challenge is a different amount of time, but it's real. So a lot of these competition shows are regulated by the FCC. So you actually have to follow rules. They're part of like the federal gaming commission. Um, And so you to make it fair, right? So I didn't have any stimulus. Oh my God, that dog, I can't. Outside of what I was doing because it wasn't fair for me to read books, have a cell phone, be able to spend my own money, do all these other things. So that existed in my life, right? Like I didn't have a life when I was doing it. You were on the show. The second is that you have to be in this like enclosed environment because it's secret, right? No one can know you're there. No one can know when you get kicked off. You don't go home. So I was living in downtown LA and sleeping basically on a set that had like partition walls. And we all had these um, Ikea blankets that that was like the me being me there. I would still like walk around with a blanket, which is so something you do in your private life. <laughs> like, like but Absolutely. you would wake up every day and you would get dressed, you know, and you would go to the set and you would have either hard timeouts or soft timeouts and you couldn't talk or you could just talk about the weather. So if you couldn't talk, no talking, right. Talk about the weather, you know, but not about the competition and you would be, you know, told the competition probably in like on film and then you would go into another holding pen. There's a lot of waiting, right? And then you might go on a shop and you have like 20 minutes to do the shop and you have to read the rules and sign off on the rules of each competition. You do your shop. It's usually film. Then you get back into the kitchen and it's real. Like if you have eight hours to do something, you have eight hours to do something and you go about it and then you're judged. The part that is you know, you are going to fit into a storyline, right? Like it's not fake, but as your character is seemingly coming to either the end of their storyline or your capabilities within the competition or your place, you can kind of feel it because the cameras start following you around more. If that makes sense. Like my last day when I was dying over the chocolate, it was both the pressure of the situation that makes you screw up on like the most mundane things. Like you wouldn't, make a mistake pouring a glass of milk for yourself. Um, But also the pressure of the cameras being around you even more and your sheer exhaustion because the days are at least like 16 to 18 hours. That's just the reality of filming anything. That also like contributes to your demise, but it's also like your time is up. Yeah. And that happens. It's, it's similar to like project runaway, I think is very similar where they're just like so tired. 
all the time. So when I, when I did Casata, this, I had a lot of flashbacks in this last production um, because we did it ourselves like crazy young entrepreneurs, which is not the way to scale the business, but we, we were working to produce these goods 19 hours a day. Um, and so I was basically pushed to my emotional limit and I was having a lot of feelings about top chef. It felt like an episode of top chef pulling off the cases because we sold a lot and again, no complaints. Um, but I was in running sneakers and compression socks and I had a hairnet and a hat on, and I was in a very cold environment in our production kitchen going for 19 hours straight. The difference is, is that I didn't have a camera on me. Right. And Gail Simmons isn't going to be like 15 minutes left. Like, no, but like I had the same emotional feelings. So can you imagine doing that? Yeah. Younger with a camera on your face that, you know, even if you're not paying attention deep down is going to be on national television. So that's always the stuff that I'm curious about. Like Sarah mentioned, like I watch a lot of the food network ones, but I also just watch a lot of um, that type of like, I, I watch a lot of Project Runway or I used to watch a lot of like America's Next Top Model even or like Survivor, which doesn't have like tasks or like a skill that you have to do, but you can see that the whole thing just starts to play out be- partly because of the fact that you're being filmed. The variables turn into something completely different where if you're just left to do your own cooking or baking, it might be entirely different. Yeah. But you're put into, in reality shows, you're put into unnatural environments. Absolutely. It's literally put in a box with a bunch of people. And like, it's a pressure cooker. It's a literal pressure cooker, right? Sarah's having some puppy, puppy problems. You're going to leave this The longest walk at Notre Dame, your alma mater, hoping to tire him out. But nope. He's a puppy. Boundless. I know. Well, the only other thing... I was really curious. I saw this video of you taking like a polar plunge. I didn't oh my God. I looked hilarious. Like I look like an 80 year old woman. What inspired it? So my brother lives in Boston. My sister lives in Cambridge. Um, my brother has a lake house in, on Sebago uh, in Standish. So it's like 19, 20 miles outside of Portland. And he used to travel four days, five days out of the week for work. And because of COVID has not and is just as efficient at his job, if not more. He's an amazing human. Um, and so his little cabin up in the woods, they he and his wife have been spending a ton of time up there. She's a teacher in Roxbury at Roxbury Latin. And when she was doing remote learning, they were just staying up there. He'd Zoom all day. And it was a safe, it was an escape for me. So before I really got Casada off the ground, I was up there a lot and I was being an artist, right? I was cooking and reading and, and doing whatever I was doing. But they, I think the thing that's really happened for me in the last year is I've become even closer with my family. And so the two of them are some of my favorite humans and they're always up to something. You know, like I've been doing the wellness stuff forever, but the things that they scheme in their free time, I was doing my jazzercise workout that I do every day and I finish and they're in bathrobes. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're going in the lake. Come. And I was like, yeah, no. And Sarah, his wife was like, come. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so the next thing I know, we're going down these steep stairs like this is freezing out in bathrobes. My brother has his camera to make sure it's captured and we're going in the lake. And the first take was actually the three of us. And I was 
or I freaked out. I think I like went up to my hips and like got my head wet. And then we went into the hot tub after and we're sitting in the hot tub and I'm pissed at myself for not doing it. And Sarah was like, no, you did it. You did it. And I was like, excuse me. No, that wasn't actually doing it. And my brother said, well, I'm not doing it again. So good on you. And then the next thing you know, I've like stood up and I'm running down the stairs. He's shouting after me, hold on, I want to film this. And I just like a machine go into the water, but I look like an 80 year old woman flailing limbs. It was amazing. It feels good. We're all obsessed with Wim Hof. But that was just me because I was just, I'm gangly one. And two, it was that freaking cold. Um, but I will tell you, it's no joke. The guy, the Wim Hof guy does it. And he uses these breathing techniques that help keep his parasympathetic nervous system in check. Um, it really does work, but you feel so alive after. It's all, it's like brain clarity. Seriously. Friends like running into the water. Do you guys ever see that one where she like, she and Rachel are going to go running and Rachel's like, I cannot run with you. She's like, I mean, I was on the rocks, but I'm also, I looked just crazy because it was that cold out and I was like feeling crazy. I had just to have Sarah show me. Yeah. I had just watched some goop episode of that goop Netflix show where all of Gwyneth Paltrow's employees go do a plunge. And I was like, ah, Patsy's always on it. (laughs) She knows. It works. We felt so alive, but I honestly, it was inspired by the two of them because they're excellent humans that push each other, you know? Sarah, there's a unified arts polar plunge this year for school. So you can do one with me if you want. The school district that I work for that Sarah used to work for has, does a lot of fundraising for unified arts, which is like special needs students pairing with like mainstream students to, you know, do all kinds of cool or unified sports, sorry, unified sports um, to do all kinds of cool, you know, special Olympic type stuff and just like athletic competitions. And so they're always raising money. And so this year, one of the things that they're doing is like, you can do a polar plunge. So it feels so, you feel so alive. Yeah. All right. I think it'll be fun. Probably has to go out. (laughs) The baby. Bye. Where did you get your dog from? My aunt and uncle live in Portland, Maine, and their (laughs) golden retriever had puppies. It's um, hard to get a golden retriever puppy these days. We had to, yeah, they knew they had it all planned out. But this summer I was like, I want one of those. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so my aunt and uncle are having these puppies. Like we're ready. You mentioned your sister too. And I was just having a flashback. I remember being on a really uncomfortable double date once. And she (laughs) was the other half of the, uh, the date and she saved me. She just talked to me the whole night. She could tell I was not into it. My, my sister, salt of the earth. Oh, she is just like a, she's an incredible human. (laughs) Excellent. Yes. Um, is there anything you haven't had a chance to share yet about Casada or where we can find it? That no, I definitely want our listeners to know. Yeah. So we're on our last week of sales. We'll ship out next week. So you'll receive it ahead of Valentine's week. It's our Valentine's day love satchel. Uh, you can get it also with the clean enough book bundle at www.casata, C-A-S-S-A-T-A bakery.com. Um, if you enter code free ship Valentine, we're offering free shipping and we ship direct to you with a custom handwritten note. Fabulous. Well, thanks for having me guys. Yeah, Thank you for coming. This is, yeah, this is delightful. And hopefully we'll see you in town sometime soon.
Yeah, probably next week. If you if you get a little news alert that I'm selling some Casata Love satchels, I'll let you know. Awesome. <laughs> well, pick them up. Well, All I right, Sarah. I have been Molly, and this is Pop It. <laughs>